DenverCrush.com. edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. We are your hosts, Mark Hadamio. And I am Chris Eaton. And uh, yes, once again, it's just Mark and I. We're, this episode is, it's like the uh, the Queen album, all the news of the world. <laughs> That's all we're going to talk about this week, because uh, a, a lot of stuff has gone down since uh, we were last recorded. Uh, we, have, uh, we had Comic-Con in between there. Mark went on his uh, grand adventures at the G-Fest. And then uh, <laughs> um, some some good things and some bad things happen. We're going to talk about all that in this episode, so strap in. First things first, sir. How was uh, how was your G Fest trip? G Fest was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, I've been attending it since uh, 1995, since the first public one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I've gone almost every year, except uh, I missed '97, and I didn't go for I think between 2004. And 2011, but I returned in 2012 when I tracked down Nakajima and Wolfman. Like McCarthy returning to the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, went, went again, um, but for the first time ever. You had a booth, right? You had a booth, yeah. I mean, I've been fortunate other times, uh, you know, I've sold some of my collection before, mm-hmm. and friends, out of their generosity, they let me, like, you know, stick out a little part of their table. But this time, you know, a booth all to ourselves. All went all in. Yeah, Adrian's attic, uh, and uh, it was a it was pretty successful. People really enjoyed you know those products, and uh, we had something new to offer the fans. And from what I heard, it went over exceptionally well. Yeah, a lot of people were posting photos of the things they got, and uh, we were very very happy about that. Yeah, it was the show itself. Did you really get a chance to get out and mingle, or was it you pretty much were? So for those who don't really understand, like if you're selling at a booth, man, you're tied to the table. You're tied to the table. You don't get to really enjoy the show. So yeah, there, there. I did. I was able to attend a couple of presentations that I wanted. Like I went to go see John LeMay's presentation mm-hmm. on lost films, which tie into his book, which I, I, I still want to get him on the show to talk to him. It's an amazing book, and uh, of course, for transparency's sake, I. Contributed to it. So. <laughs> what? Not nah, wait, Mark. He's transcribed about some of the lost films. Shocking. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I went to mostly everything I wanted to see, um, and then of course I did my my little obligatory film shows that I do. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it, it was it was fun. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, did you manage to go get some of that sweet Gio Dorjanos too? Oh, you did. We had it delivered to the. Oh, you had it delivered. Oh, yes. wow! Look at yeah. that. You didn't yeah. even bother to go out. Smart though. Was it? I mean, when we went last year, it was humid as hell. Was it like that this year? I don't know because we never left the hotel. <laughs> I, I did go out into the patio, but but very late night. My usual late night drunken thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know. So take some Sapporos with you and. Yeah, yeah. We go out there and you know, Jeff Zorno's always there. 
And so, <laughs> kind of hanging out. But yeah, it was it was a great show. And uh, and then of course uh, the fall was the following week. No, no, it was literally like four days for you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We got back from G Fest, and then mm-hmm. uh, then we had to get things ready because then we had San Diego Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And you guys, yeah, and not. Yeah, you and Jessica did both last year, which you mm-hmm. guys are insane. Yeah. And well, I, no. Well, add the wrinkle to Jessica. Then Monday afterwards, hopped on a plane to freaking Japan to go to the um, the opening of uh, of Shin Godzilla as well. Yeah, of course I was there as well. But yeah. I didn't go straight you there didn't from go San to, Diego. No, no, you skipped San Diego. Like I had a week to rest. Like yeah, no, no. Yeah, but this but this time I I, I see what you guys go through. Mm-hmm. And I know I only went to show up to the. Uh, to the panel on Saturday. Yeah. Well, of course, should have. Should have on Friday. So yeah. we did. Uh, you did give us the grand tour of San Diego since, uh, you know, I'd never attended it before. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. so we, we got to see a good deal of deal the dealer's room. And and as a uh, as a for your first time as a you know, especially for a man who's a much you know, you're not you're not a kid. You're not you're not a kid yeah. or anything like that. How I mean how how does that world kind of like? How did that settle for you? It's amazing to see how it's blown up like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've remarked. I mean, I've you know, I'm I'm pushing fifty. I've been around. Mm-hmm. I've been doing these things for a while, and you know, I used to attend the old creation conventions at the Biltmore Hotel, mm-hmm. and it was a sci-fi convention. Yeah, it, it come it encompassed everything. Yeah. No, now there are conventions practically every week, and we're talking big shows. Mm-hmm. But now they're they're cut. You know, there's a specific anime convention. There's a mm-hmm. horror convention. There's a Star Trek convention. Like the genres have been able to hold their own now. Yeah, or or, or if the, if the you know if the franchise is big enough, you know, it's devoted entirely to that. Well, look, Star Wars carries its own show that's about the yes. size of WonderCon. Yeah, Star Wars celebration mm-hmm. only for Star Wars. Um, you know. When things happen, like you know, like when the Twilight films are out, there were special Twilight conventions. Mm-hmm. You no, know, Game of Thrones has their own thing, I'm sure. Okay, now take all those and put them under one roof. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what I was most amazed about is that it's not just limited to the convention center; it takes over half the town. Yeah, the streets are closed it, off. The entire gas lamp court. It's like a bad bacterial infection. It just spreads <laughs> and spreads and spreads. Yeah, like it's all over the place. Yeah, I mean, we walked like a mile down to the hotel to where Jessica was staying. So I could pick up our passes, and I was just blown away that even the hotels had panels and presentations going on, mm-hmm. gift giveaways, and I mean, amazing. Out of out of what two hundred thousand people, I just happened to run into you at the hotel. Yeah, it was a weird kismet <laughs> moment. Like I'm walking, I'm like, I had some extra time. I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to go over to see the Xbox Lounge. Just got anything going on? Because I was picking up freebies at that point. I walk over there, hey, no Xbox Lounge this year, and I'm. Like a jackass, I didn't look ahead. Like, I just assumed to be there from last year. So, as I'm walking out, and this is the... Uh, it wasn't the Marriott. It's the... Not the Hilton. It starts with an M as well. It's not Sunday. Oh, no, no. It was or the Hyatt. The Hyatt. Thank the you. Hyatt, it was the yeah. Hyatt. The so, the Park. Hyatt is, like, a block and a half down. Like, you, it's a it's a trek. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. especially with the heat and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, as I'm walking out, I look over, and, like, all of a sudden, I, I just see him sitting next to the door. It's like... Mark? And you look at him like, holy shit, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, I'm walking back. Oh, okay. I'm waiting for Jessica. And it was good because I didn't know where to begin, so it was wonderful running into you because I had a, a guided tour of, okay, these, it, are, the, these are the basics. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got my 
Everpasses. Like midday. These are like four o'clock already. Yeah. yeah. Everpasses was like, mm-hmm. said, oh well, you have your passes now, but now we have to go to the booth and get your lanyard. Yeah. So you can know I'm not carrying it around. You don't lose it. Mm-hmm. You have to buzz yourself in, and you know. Oh yeah, the whole R R R F I D system. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Screw that. We can find you a lanyard inside. Let's just get in there and get you going. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I started from the beginning. I'm just like, let's just walk up and down. I'm like, this is how everything is laid out. And after a while, it's just like, oh, I gotta go pick up this. I got like these tickets to get these exclusives. I'll be back. Yeah, like it, like a jackass. I left you floundering. I took off because oh, I was trying cool. to make. Because I was there doing. I was playing the flipping game that weekend. Well, it, it, it pays for your trip. So very much it's so. Smart. <clears throat> yeah, but it was nice. I mean, because we got to walk around and just explore things. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it, it was. A, I mean, I'm sure we saw just a small fraction of it. I mean, I think you guys saw a. Good portion where I got you to. Yeah. I think you saw a good portion of the floor already. Yeah, so. and it was nice because it was we saw like small, smallish booths. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's not all just it's not all the, the for people who don't go or have never been. When you see them, when you see all that stuff on um, on TV and stuff like that, you're they're usually picking like the biggest, flashiest booth. Yeah, the big Hasbro Yeah, booth and or, you're thinking yeah. that's what everything is. Like, no, it's actually no. a ton of small booths. Yeah, and th- there were still a lot of people who still sold comic books. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, that was the thing. You're like, oh, wow, they got Golden Age stuff still. Yeah, like, I was, yeah. You know, I was looking at the old Tom Mix comic books, and, oh, you have any old Ghost Rider comics? Or, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, like, Mark was, like, yeah, that completely issue's flipping air, out over Yeah, that yeah. issue of the Airboy with the heat. Oh, there so, were some fanzines you were flipping out over, like, I haven't seen these in years. Yeah, some some old horror fanzines, uh, you know, from the 70s. And uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic, and you know, but you know, I wasn't there to buy things, but you know, <laughs> considering you just flew back from Chicago and everything. Yeah, but uh, it, it was it was really nice. And did you end up getting anything? I, I don't think I did. You wow, you you avoided the uh, the temptation. That apple was out there. I saw there was a point where I saw you were just like. And your little oh, was just like, oh, yeah. just get it, come on. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They're like, no, no, no. Believe me, I, I've I've been a collector long enough where uh, I'm fighting that addiction. But uh, that place is the red light district for collectors too. Exactly, you know. But it's I, just temptation left and right. But after liquidating my life's collection, mm-hmm. uh, you you kind of break yourself of that habit. And even though you see things you want, you're like, do I really need this? Yeah. But of course, sometimes you run into things. Oh yeah, damn right, I need yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't expect to see it. You know, it's on your list, and the second you see it, you're like, oh god, I, yeah. I gotta have it. But you know, that's the way I am at conventions, especially with like G Fest, which I go to every year. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't go there say, saying I'm gonna. Oh, I, I want to get the newest X Plus figure. Yeah. Why? You can order it online. Exactly. <laughs> I go and I look around, and what I usually end up picking up when I do buy something is either something I never expected to see or mm-hmm. something I didn't know existed. And yeah, I mean, because that, that's what I like. I like picking little weird oddball items or things that you know, you pick it up now or you're never going to see it again. You know. Yeah, and then uh, we act, then the next day we have the panel. Yeah, that that went well. Went very well. I got mm-hmm. some really great feedback from people on it. We had um, uh, Mizuki Koga. We had Steve Reifel. Um, Who's the gentleman that does Michi Amato. Michi Amato. and of course Mark. Mm-hmm. We uh, and uh, pretty much yeah, it was it, it, be fair. I, I, much better than last year, in my opinion. I thought Chris Mowry was supposed to show up. He Chris Mowry was at the at one point, but the problem with 
Well, it's it, it was a problem for us, but not for Chris Meyer. He's been promoted within IDW. Oh. So he's in charge of actually... He was in charge of running that whole booth that weekend. Oh, so he couldn't get away. Yeah, no, in fact, he's gearing up for Hascon next mm. in like two weeks. So he's been trekking back and forth between here and uh, Rhode Island, getting everything set up. Because mm. uh, IDW's going to have a big presence there, too. So. Oh, and one thing that does tie uh, San Diego and G-Fest together, uh, at the Anime Jungle booth mm-hmm. at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, uh, there were a couple of guests there. They were at our table at G-Fest. Uh, the Bandai's Sanda and Gaira figures. Saw them. Yeah, they, they premiered at our table mm-hmm. at G Fest, and uh, the Bandai rep hung around for a week and really? uh, went to San Diego. And uh, he was at uh, Anime Jungle's table, and he had his display with with the uh, prototype figures oh, there. God, they look beautiful. They, they look gorgeous. They are gorgeous. They uh, and they're the old school, lar- the larger size figures too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're nine inches. Yes. They're, they're in scale with the old Bandai's, and. Uh, you know, what, is, what they have are, are painted resin prototypes. Mm-hmm. Very detailed. So no, not the, the more mass-produced vinyls that they'll, that they'll be. Yeah, they will be vinyls with the, the final uh, versions. But, uh... Is it gear or comes out first, right? They're supposed to come out together. Oh, they're coming out together? Oh, wow. Yeah. And they're fairly, like, they're within, I think they're like 30 bucks a pop or something like that. They... No. No? <laughs> they'll, be, they'll be more than that. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, Bandai Premium is like the new arm of Bandai for collectors. It's, a uh, so are they going to start giving us the figures we always wanted, possibly? Yeah, yeah, because uh, uh, the you know the Bandai rep, mm-hmm. he was at our table for three days, so uh-huh. we got to know him quite well, mm-hmm. and he you know he talked a lot with me and asked my opinion on things and what do fans want to see? And Did they bring up the Gabra figure. We brought up Gabra, mm-hmm. but uh, then uh, he asked you know. What, what about Frankenstein? Oh. <laughs> and uh, I told him they could do Frankenstein. They could do Frankenstein, and I told him, well, uh, I said figures that pe- that the fans really want to see. I said, first of all, they want to see figures that haven't been made yet by Bandai. Yeah, Varan is at the top of the list. Very much so. And everyone told him that. Mm-hmm. So and he's just sort of reporting back to his superiors. However, though, he did let slip, well, this is what we're working on. Oda. So, the giant octopus. <laughs> they're really going to do that thing? And they're going to do a new Mechanicon. Really? A new Mechanicon. Holy shit, how'd they get away with that? I thought that was like a whole rights issue thing. I guess Mechanicon itself is not. King Kong, yes. Mm-hmm. Mechanicon, no. Interesting. So I would love to see them do like a new Sculpt of Kong as well. But uh, mm-hmm. that's that's a whole that's a whole like hornet's nest right there. Yeah. Although once Congress vs. Godzilla comes out, that might kind of free up things here and there. Yeah, or it may garner enough interest where it's worth it's worth for them to pay the licensing fee. I got a feeling we definitely probably will see a Bandai version of the legendary Kong. Oh, w- without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. So that, that's I'm 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 waiting for that day too. So I mean, we, we saw Bandai legendary Godzilla. Yes, so, we did. And and Mutos. So. So we'll probably see them like all the uh, the their versions of uh, the Godzilla two style uh, monsters yeah. as well. So yeah, I'm I'm really interested in seeing because uh, they did say that the Godzilla would be redesigned, and of course, mm-hmm. because they always redesign. Yeah, there's some. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's part part more. Yeah, it's part yeah. marketing. Yeah, you know, you have new toys to sell, mm-hmm. and then uh, also they always have to tweak it a little bit. 
Yeah, you can't. You yeah. don't want the exact same thing. Yeah, I mean, it has to change. Look, even Luke didn't wear the same damn tunic every movie. So, yeah. I mean, you know, even Darth Vader was different in every single film. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I mean, I love Star Wars, but I'm not that big of a fan where I could tell the difference between them. Although, if you watch Rogue One, you could definitely tell that they went to that original outfit when Darth showed up for the first time. I'm sitting there, I'm turning my buddy, I'm like, dude, did they like. He's like, yeah, dude, I think they, they mocked up like the original outfit. Like, because it had to match. It had, it had to match. It had yeah. to match, yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, when it's it's not as noticeable when he's, spoilers, slaughtering the hell out of all those. Uh, those uh, uh, Rebel guys in that, that walkway, but when he comes out and he's talking to director uh, Kanick and he chokes him and makes that bad pun, yeah. it's like I'm looking at him. It's like the flat. It's all. It's just like the original movie was. So, yeah. but Which toys, man, it only makes sense. Yeah, you got to sell them toys. So yeah. So yeah. So those. Yeah, that, that's actually kind of big news to, mm. to see Sandman Guy. I mean, you know, because I was first told about this back in February, and. I told very few people. I, I did tell you. Yeah. But but I also give you the, the disclaimer. I've been <laughs> the told, personal I've been, NDR. I, yeah, I've been told this, but mm-hmm. I have yet to see them. Mm. So. And then you finally got to see yeah, them. I finally got to see yeah, them. Yeah, I saw them. I walked by the booth. I saw them there. I'm like, oh, my God, they look beautiful. So they are definite. They are, oh, they're gorgeous pieces. So. I can't, I can't yeah, wait. so yeah, so, so they're they're really setting they're still setting up how Bandai Premium is going to sell these things, mm-hmm. but obviously they are courting the American market, so American fans don't have to worry about having to go through importers or anything. Yeah, uh, but so they're still they're, they're figuring direct sales. Well, I mean, it's sad because Bandai Creation, the American arm, what's apparently what kind of that was mm-hmm. the ones that are putting out the uh, the Godzilla figures out here, man, they. They had something like some of those skulls were better than the original Bandai versions. Yeah. But the problem was is that they they just didn't. I think it was a matter of poor timing. Had they waited like another two years when the when the legendary train started really hyping up, and they released them then. Um, and then the other problem was that they were. You got one new figure for every five reissues that they yeah. would come out with. I, and I, th- I think they were still hurting from uh, the TriStar film. Possibly a little bit, but I mean, the, at least the first couple of waves. Yeah, even though the first couple of waves I really liked. I got the Rainbow Mothra from that. It's far superior yes. to the, to the yes. American, to the Japanese one in every way. Yeah, the uh, there there are a couple of ones like the um, the header is terrible. The header is terrible because it's just a solid figure. It looks like that that orange monster from Bugs Bunny with the tennis shoes. A little bit, yeah, because he's <laughs> just a solid. I have him. He's a solid base. He was four bucks, so I'm yeah. like, I'll buy him. Oh, yeah. um, but he wasn't worth the fifteen there. Like the guy again wasn't the greatest sculpt. I wasn't a big fan of that one. I, I actually like the guy again. Uh, I, I, I thought it was better than the original Bandai sculpt. Oh, which, which is awful. Yeah, because the 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 back fins are yeah. But I, 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 you know, I mean, it, it wasn't X plus quality. No, but I, w- I would say the uh, the reissue that they did of them when they started doing the six inches. Yeah, that was probably a little, that was that was far better. Yeah, because the color scheme and everything was much more in line with the actual character. But like the Anguria, the uh, the Angulus, I call him Angulus. Yeah. He was uh, mediocre. The Mechagodzilla was awesome. Yes. And then the uh, the one the, the one. The American version of the the legendary version they put out superior to the Japanese one in every way. Yeah. Sculpts far better. And then what was the other one? Oh, the two thousand, the two thousand figure. Yeah. Better pose. Like he's an awesome. He's like he's striking out stuff yeah. like that. So much better. I got him neck to neck, and it's like this is a. 
even though he doesn't have as much of the mobility as the Japanese one does, he's just a better looking piece. It was interesting seeing a show off King Seesaw. It was. And the, the, when those things showed up at Target, too? Yes. During the movie, I, it, I felt bad because there was like nine, they were the only ones on there. And like, these are, it's, it's my, you know, my surf's up He Man. Yeah. That was the problem. It's like, when you have this one figure that nobody really wants. <laughs> yeah. Like, when you're putting out something, nobody knows who King Caesar is. It just yeah. has Godzilla's slap. like, what in God's yeah. name is this? And thing? especially when it came out, I, yeah, I would have figured, if I heard King Caesar, I would have mm-hmm. expected the Final Wars King Caesar. So would have I. That's, that's another thing we never got. We never got a full. full well, we never got half the Final War uh, lineup. We never got King the, the, Caesar. The, the best we got was that uh, those that box, was, those little box sets that Bandai put out. Yeah, we. Ne- I mean, proclamation size. I have, I think, eighty percent of them. I didn't. I never got the the guy, the upgraded guy again. Mm-hmm. And I never got the Mothra because Mothra was a reissue of the um, the one from the previous year. The one, just, the one everybody wants is the Rose Violet. Yeah. So, yeah. I, ha- I had the whole set, uh, and the, all the boxes were still shrink wrapped together, but. That was part of my collection that I, I like, though. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, eh. like, like I told you before, I could still get it if I need it. True. So, a lot of action figure stuff coming on. Good t- very good time. Good time to be alive. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and speaking of Comic-Con, mm-hmm. uh, one, of, one of the big displays that was of special interest to us was the Pacific Rim. Fantastic segue, sir. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, so, we learned... Roughly like a like a week before Stephen denied the director of Pacific Rim Two uh, said there's not going to be a presentation. They're not. It was Warner Brothers was going to be there, but they were only doing Warner Brothers stuff, no legendary based stuff. <clears throat> so he said, "Yeah, we're not going to show anything." Well, it was only partially true because the Bluefin booth had a big to do. So when I got there Wednesday night, they had this whole thing covered up. It just said Pacific Rim on it, but they had the new um, Jaeger pilot suits on display. And they're like, come back here at like 11 o'clock tomorrow for the big reveal. So, knowing what I know, come back at noon, because this stuff's going to be here, and you're not going to get caught in the madness. So show up, and what do they have on display? All the new Jaegers that Bluefin will be putting out for the, uh, for the new movie. And they look awesome. So awesome. I love the anime-inspired designs of them. Because the thing, look, I love Pacific Rim. I love that they went with the more, they are very much more anime-inspired robot designs, but they're still, you could have done more with them, in my opinion. Like, they're they're cool, they're big, they're, hulk, they're, they're hulking, but there's some, they're, I mean, like, the Cherno Alpha, I know a lot of people love them, but it's just like, it's a weird design. Yeah. Like, I was looking for something a little more anime aesthetic. Exactly. They're still going for the more pragmatic mm-hmm. look versus the more... Elaborate looks of like the, the old Japanese super robots. Yeah, uh, but they're, Although, they're, they're kind of slowly going in that direction. Yeah, definitely, especially with the newer. Yeah, because here's the thing: they even they, I mean, when you watch the movie when they introduce um, Striker Eureka, he was the the only Mark Five, and it yeah. was like this is the sleeker one, the faster one. It's like, all right, well, it would make sense if they continue to make them, they would get much more sleeker, much more faster, much more you know um, efficient. And that's what exactly what they've gone with. Like the new gypsy, <laughs> mm-hmm. looks like a um, looks like a sleek like martial arts fighter. Yeah, just real tight, real taut. Um, they have uh, two like what I would call tanker models. There, I forgot the I don't know the names in front of me. One had a giant wrecking ball at the end of his hand though. Yeah, that looked awesome. 
So uh, all the picture I get all the pictures are up on our uh, Facebook site right now. You can look at them. And the beauty is they're only twenty bucks a pop, yeah. which is in line with what Nika had when they were putting them out. Yeah. So I mean, this, these are our first glances of what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. So it's. It's giving me hope that hopefully the the, uh, the kaiju designs will be tweaked as well. That's what I'm hoping for very much. You know, I, I'm really hoping for something a little bit more outlandish, mm-hmm. something. You know, well, the kaiju are more unique mm-hmm. to each other. Because you know, in the first movie, we, I mean, they were different types, but we saw common themes in them. You know, like the, six the, arms, the vestigial arms. Were yeah, you know, the, the whole glow, glowing blue lines throughout the the designs. Mm-hmm. You know. Make them all different. Yeah. Well, in the original script, um, they were all very much different because the thing was they were they were treated more of like Robies from Voltron. Oh like They're wow. held in a pen. Oh wow. And they just yanked them out and they threw them. That, that was the thing. The original script. The one of the things that um, I forgot his name. The the creator uh, in that original in that original draft. The thing was that they they didn't get progressively more powerful. It was the aliens pretty much still like, these are the native these are the native wildlife of our world, so we're just going to pan them up, and then we're just going to keep tossing them in there until we can pretty much go and, and, and uh, invade. And each one of them was very, they varied in, in size and strength. So it was, they weren't all moving from like one to five. It yeah. was the original one that attacked was a category five. But then there was like a category two, category four. And they were all very uniquely described in the script. Um, the one... The, the first one you really see that uh, a, a Jaeger fight in it was, um, I forgot the name, but it was a giant arachnid. It, it attacks um, Venezuela. So it comes up out of the water. When it comes out, it's a, it's like a half crab, half spider monster. Uh-huh. And it moves. It's, uh, the, the Onibaba one that it's in the flashback is akin to this, but yeah, it's got like all these, it sounds like Onibaba. Yeah, but it was the, the way it was described, it was like it had like a tiger camouflage to it, though. And there was a an attack it did where it would throw these hairs like a spider would. Yeah. But when you saw it in in uh, the way it was described, it's like it tosses the hairs at the Jaeger and they just bounce off. But then you would see the hair start falling down around the people as they're fleeing, and there are these giant spears that are just like just uh, destroying everything and just spearing the crap out of people. Um, see, what, once again, because legendary Warner Brothers are kind of related. Yeah. And. Uh, it sounds like once again you took something that's sort of colorful and fun, and they mm-hmm. kind of like grade it down and wrapped it down. Well, the final product. I think part of the part of it was because, look, and I'm going to say that first. I, that's an episode I still want to do. I want to dissect that first script uh-huh. because that sounds fascinating. It is. It is very fascinating. It's a fascinating what because the the main theme, the main story beats are still there. The idea is to uh, blow up the rift, seal it off, use Gypsy to do it. Uh, there's a big fight in the middle. But the characters are very turned around. Raleigh and, and Mako are still a big thing, and putting two different people who have never been drift compatible was a big aspect of it. But the Jaegers did a lot of different things. They were described very differently in the script as well. Uh, they didn't share a cockpit. They were all each in their own kind of like little little cockpits on each side of the Jaeger. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> the monsters very much had. They were very Toho inspired. There was a there's a um, their own battle of Hong Kong, and I believe, but I believe it was in Japan though. I think it was a battle of Tokyo, and there were four monsters they fought. One was a very Frankenstein-looking beast. The uh, there was uh, two other kind of like, I would say like Voltron-esque kind of monsters, and then there was a big Cthulhu 
plant-based monster. Wow. And its power, like, it would shoot parasites. It would spit parasites at the uh, the Jaegers. Wow. And so there was a whole, like, aspect of, like, when one of the Jaegers went down, there was a whole crew of, like, mechanics. They would come in on these hovering, like, kind of like the... Um, the hovercraft from Godzilla vs. Megaguirus. Yes. They would they they would use to uh, to dictate the uh, the black hole weapon. Yes. So they had those, and they would drop mechanics down. They would sit there and weld the Jaeger back together while these arachnids are. So they had guys with guns blasting them off or as like, trying to fix it. Or like Veronica from uh, uh, Age of Ultron. Very much so. Yes. yes. But Very much like that. Yeah. It something needs to be repaired. It's hovering there. Yeah, and that, that was thing because they weren't they weren't pulled in by helicopters. They were pulled in by these by these uh, super planes. Yeah. So they were a, like a VTO like style. They would drop them down like that, and they would hang back. It, but they would still be within the, the battle range. So they would in there. There's moments in the script where they're actually communicating with them to like the those pilots were part of the script. They're like, hey, there's something on your on your uh, on your twelve o'clock or your ten o'clock something like that. And that was a huge ad. There was a lot of that stuff that Guillermo took out. That he put in his own spin on it, but his own spin on it is what really sold that film. I, and yeah. there is a lot. You believe that that first script is not perfect by any means, yeah. but there's a lot of cool ideas that I'm like, I really wish they kept that. But the stuff that Guillermo brought in did help a lot yeah. more too. And I do understand, you know, uh, the common looks, the monsters explaining all the same DNA. They're yeah. all grown, basically. Yeah. And that, in that aspect, I did like. I mean, like that was one aspect. I'm like, okay, it makes sense. But at the same time, it's like having read the original script. I'm like, I kind of like the idea that these were like, if we were invading another dimension, yeah. we rounded up tigers and bears and literally threw them in, into yeah. that world. Like if we were invading a tiny yeah. world, that's what yeah, we yeah, would this, do. This is still a movie about giant monsters fighting giant robots. Exactly, and there was a lot of that aspect of that original script. And it's interesting that you bring that up. Mm -hmm. You know. To get a bunch of native species and throw them out. No, what if they got native species and put them together? Mm -hmm. You know, something like the Griffin, yeah. Godzilla. I, 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 I'm hoping we see something like that. There's, I mean, they have yet to say anything about the plot for part two, mm -hmm. and it comes out in February. Or actually, yeah. March now. They moved it to March. But much smarter because the only problem that it had going against February was going against Black Panther. And, yeah, I and it was it pretty much it's like we want this thing to succeed. Let's move it away from all the big Marvel films that yeah. are probably going to crush it. So, um, so yeah, now it comes out the end of March. So the only thing it has going against it is Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One, which um, may, is, is hit or miss depending on how that that really goes through. You know, I, th I think we should talk about that briefly too because yeah. that's also relevant to this because. Uh, spoiler alert! Mm -hmm. From what I hear, because yes. I really don't know much about it, but according, according to what I hear, the book features a amazing final battle between Ultraman and Mechagodzilla. It does. And, now, he, uh, and uh, let me add a wrinkle to that. Yeah. Part of that battle, Spider-Man's uh, Leopardin robot is part of that as well. Oh my god! Yeah. My god! Yeah. This. <laughs> See, these are the times in which you know <laughs> you hope that they pull. A Roger Rabbit and yeah. are able to license all of well, these hey, things. Well, hey, Spielberg was part of that. He got Roger Rabbit together. He was critical in getting Bugs and Mickey together. That had to happen. That had to happen. Like, we had to have that scene. It almost didn't happen. I think Disney was like, I don't know. Like, they were like working with Warner Bros. Like, it's Warner was like, come on, let's just let's make this happen. So, and then yeah, that, they that, did. The whole scene between Daffy and Donald Duck is still one of my favorites. And because it's 
it's also very dark too. Yeah, like they're playing at a nightclub. Like the, it, Roger, believe me, who from Roger is one of my absolute favorite films. This is the, it's the first film I ever saw in theaters as a kid, and it remains to this day one of the most. Really? In G- yeah. Well, it came out in '88. I was four years old at the time. I keep forgetting how young you were. Yeah. <laughs> it's the very first film I ever saw in theaters. So, and I would end up working at that same theater some 20 years later. Wow. So, but I digress. But yes, the, it doesn't Orp- look like. I saw Orca and Laser Blast at theaters. You actually saw Laser Blast in the theaters? Oh, yeah. I was looking forward to that. <laughs> the commercials were on TV. You know. um, but anyway, yeah. Rated Player One. Um, from the Because tra- the problem with that trailer is that they're kind of giving you like a a big just chunk of it's it. It's more of a teaser. Yeah, very much so. Like, it doesn't give you any... Like, you have no idea what the hell's going on except, look at all this cool crap that's going on in here. Yeah, you have to look, look at all the online... Uh, you know, Still, still shots, and you know, oh look, there's Freddy Krueger. Yeah, you know, you're not going to see him with a naked eye. Yeah, no. And then, well, Warner Brothers is producing, and so pretty much anything Warner Brothers has under their banner, it's getting thrown in. And a lot of that was already in the book as to, to begin with. And so things like the DeLoreans, like yeah, we're going to license this stuff, but with Spielberg, you know, directing, it's like you have a lot more leeway. It does appear though that they're probably not going to put the giant, the leopard and robot in there because they're like. Yeah, we're probably not going to work with Disney on this one. So, because Disney does own that Spider-Man, and they own Leopard, and they own all of it. Wow. Like, I guess Toei can still produce merchandise on it, but they can't produce anything new on it, though. Mm. Marvel can do whatever the hell they want with it. Yeah. So, uh, they put in the Iron Giant, I think, in his instead. Yes. Yeah. Which, by the way, everyone, sold him like, shut up and take all my money. Everyone was excited to see that. Yeah. Um, in regards to that final battle, I guess. Mm-hmm. Supposed to be the, the Showa Mechagodzilla versus Ultraman. Kid. No, 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 no. It's uh, it's the Kiro Mechagodzilla. Oh, it's the Kiryu Mechagodzilla. Yes. Oh, it's that one. Okay, cool. Well, I guess yeah. I guess fan art that I saw showed the Showa. Yeah, no, no, it's not it's not the Showa one because um, <laughs> there's a point in the game because the, uh, it's pretty much Willy Wonka. It's it's what would happen if you took the entire if you took the opening uh, uh, part of Willy Wonka where they're trying to find the golden ticket mm-hmm. and turned that into a whole movie. So you're trying, you're going, you're actually playing this game inside this giant virtual world, and the creator of it died, had no heirs, no nothing, and he pretty much left whoever can play this game. And it was based on, I guess, the person that did one of the original Atari developers. They, it was one of the, I forgot the the game it was, but he put his name at the end of the game. If you beat it a certain way, you get his name. Yeah. And so he's like, this is my my homage to it. But whoever solves this can beat this game the first one to beat it with the highest score gets my company gets everything the total ownership of it so it becomes almost a corporate espionage thing at this point because there's another rival corporation that wants it so all these kids are playing it to solve the because the the, the, the the clues were so obscure nobody could figure out for years so all these kids grew up trying to figure out this thing until one day they finally figure it out so Later on in the game, one of the levels is if you come in and beat this one boss, you're, uh, you you would get obtain a power up and a prize at the end of each at the end of each level. And the end of this level was you get to choose a mech of your choice. And so the choices were Mechagodzilla, Leopardin, all five Ultron robots, all the Ava robots, um, Mazinger Z. Um, what was the I'm blanking on her name. The girl, um, Mazinger. Um, 
Oh, uh, Aphrodite. Aphrodite, yeah. Aphrodite and uh, I want to say there was a newer. Oh, a Gundam. One of the Gundams. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, by the time he got there, Mechagodzilla was already gone. So when they come to this, they're when they're at the pretty much the the opening stages of the final level, this giant battle ensues between the um, the Covenant's trying to use they're trying to beat the game so that they can uh, buy out yeah. the the game Oasis, and so they have Mechagodzilla and they have all the gun they have the um, all the Voltron robots, and so uh, our main hero gets the. Um, Leopardon robot. The problem is, is that they're in scale with everything. So Mechagodzilla is literally the biggest thing there, and yeah. just starts annihilating everything. Well, one of his allies, who's a Japanese player, they play a side game, and they obtain the beta capsule from the original Ultraman, <laughs> and so it allows you for for Damn five man. minutes. They do the they do five minutes. They allow, but five minutes once a day, you can turn into Ultraman, oh, wow. and you have all Voltron's power. So at that point. The main hero, after Leopardon gets destroyed, takes the beta capsule, turns into Ultraman, and actually fights Mechagodzilla because they can stand toe to toe with each other. Wow. So, yeah, I'm sitting there reading that like at 3 in the morning, like, oh my god, no wonder why everyone was going on about this book. It's a, if you haven't read it, it's a fantastic book. It is a giant love to nerd culture. And Rush, if you love Rush, there's 9 million Rush references in this thing, too. Red Barchette is and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I would definitely recommend picking it up before you actually see the movie because yeah, this is gonna be one of those things that fascinating to me. It, it's definitely one of those books that's not the movie is not gonna be exactly the same just for the mere fact that like there's no uh, there's no godly way in hell that you could get the licensing for all these yeah. things. Yeah, and I'm one of those suckers for fan service. Mm-hmm. So and this sounds like a total love. Oh, that's all it is. Uh, one thing that people were talking about though, because there was speculation, in the okay. How much of this final battle is is going to actually see the screen? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> They're saying, okay, well, Warner Brothers Legendary, they do work with Godzilla. Could we see Mecha Godzilla? Mm-hmm. We don't know. They'd be keeping it under wraps. This is true. Ultraman, the child thing. That's true as well. That could throw a wrench in anything. It could. But then again, you know, they probably could have gone to Super Ryan. It's like, we just need a Ultraman. Can you give us an Ultraman to use? Yeah, any of the later ones they can use. That's true. Yeah, and and, and like he could turn into Tiga, to the to the, your casual viewer. Oh, okay, that's Ultraman. We kind of get that. So and you know, and as far as the mainstream public goes, mm-hmm. you no know, younger kids probably know Tiga better than they know the original Ultraman. Yeah, or you know any of the new ones on Crunchyroll. Mm-hmm. They know those better than the original Ultraman. Yes, because the original Ultraman is not on Crunchyroll. No. Which, uh, by the way, we need to talk about real quick. Some more Chayo shenanigans oh, <laughs> that yeah. are going on. Yeah. Uh, so there's a uh, there is a uh, company in China that produces a uh, an animated series. Uh, I'm pulling up right now, so give me one sec. Okay, here we go. So about I think it was like three days before G Fest, this trailer dropped, and everyone's like, "What in God's name is this?" It's this animated movie. It's called uh, Dragon Force. The subtitle is So Long Ultraman. <laughs> yes, I saw that. <laughs> now, here in America, if you know your metal, Dragon Force is an awesome band that plays some really thick licks. But apparently this is a huge franchise in China. That, that sounds like a, like, a, like a Power Rangers team. Oh, very much so, it does. So, uh, I knew... N- I have 
zero idea of what this thing was actually about until I actually watched the trailer. And in it, Ultraman plays a prominent role in this thing. And I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie, he's actually kind of well designed. Like it's not a bad look for him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I thought I thought the child Ultraman were cool. Yeah, Ultraman. And we're looking at the design right here. Like he's got like a very like. It's it's not it's not if it was it was a dude in a suit. It's like if yeah. it was just an actual person. So it's very reminiscent of, of Ultraman powered to me. Very much so. So this thing pops up, and uh, every a second that pops up, the whole world's like, whoa, what? No, 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 no. This something something smells funny in Denmark on this one. And sure as shit, uh, <laughs> Super Raya the next day slaps a major lawsuit on this company. But it being China and things being shady, yeah. China, this company's like, whatever. We got we got the the rights. Now it turns out they got the rights through I believe it was UMD. Yeah, it's the other who company. sublicensed it from China. Yeah. So. And UMD and China have been in each other's throats as well. Oh yeah, it, that's pretty much the you know that, that was the uh, you know the the partner that stabbed them in the back at yeah. that point. So because now they're trying to pull, they're trying to do to China what China did to Super Riot. Yeah. So, they're, the company's claiming, like, look, we went through all the proper channels, and this apparently is legal, what we were told. So, Super Eye is trying to block the film right now. There hasn't really been much update. But Super Eye, though, they did, for the first time, release a public statement regarding mm-hmm. this. They've never publicly addressed the Chayo issue mm-hmm. to the public, to the fans. Yeah. But for the first time... They did. It was like just like an internal thing that yeah, someone else would They really did finally at. come out and put a, a press uh, uh, statement renouncing this. Because this is bigger than anything. Yes. These, apparently, the first Dragon Force movie was massive in China. Like it was a massive blockbuster. Yeah. And Ultraman has a huge following over there, too. Yeah. So, yeah, like, hey, we're putting Ultraman in our movie. Like, oh. And it doesn't look like, unlike the, the child produced Ultraman stuff, this looks like it's going to see the light of day. Like, the public is going to see this. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to see Ultraman and save the 2020 Tokyo Olympics starting <laughs> with GDOS. Yeah. We're not going to see that. <laughs> no, no, no. But that this yeah. kind of going to say, F you, we're making this. Yeah. What are you gonna, it's already done. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, like, those those Chio films are done. They're made. They're, yeah. They're sitting in a vault somewhere. Yeah. I, I you know, I've... You know, I set you up with uh, we'll try to contact with you and Paula when. Yeah, and so I what, asked we, about that. that. Was one of the things I asked is like, will we ever see these? And Project Ultraman. But they were coy about, it, but they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll release them. Like now that this is all taken care of, yeah, we'll they'll get out there. So there's there's they're three. hoping to because I I spoke to, with the I spoke with the president of the new companies handling the handling their marketing. Uh, he has a video game booth at uh, Frank and Sons. And every time I go there, I talk to him to see the latest. But there's always some new kind of legal issue that's preventing them from releasing their Ultraman stuff. It's always going to be illegal. There's always going to be a legal issue. Yeah. At the very least, though, you know, I'm I'm keeping a dialogue with them just to to see what they're up to. Mm -hmm. You know, I've gotten some flack from people for talking about saying, look, I'm not, I'm not taking sides here. I'm simply reporting what they're doing. Mm. Why? Because no one else is doing it. Exactly. If everyone wants to take a, a... If you don't... If you're not paying attention to what's going on, yeah. then, you know, you might get bitten in the butt one day. Might. So, yeah. it's like, you, you, you may not agree with it, but at least you can still, like, yeah. find out, report on it. Yeah. So, 
yeah, so I, I I will be curious to pick this up. I guarantee you'll probably hit the um, the, the the streaming bootleg sites that we apparently do not ever go to around here, just for clarity's sake. Uh, <laughs> someone will subtitle it. And it's never going to get released here, I'll tell you that, though. Yeah. But uh, in anything, like, those trial films, I, they, they're up there with me with those lost... Like, it's up there with the day the clown uh, cried of, like... Now, something complete I need to see it well, as of today it looks like that's one step closer oh believe me I woke up saw the the sad news that we lost Jerry Lewis now mind you to me Jerry Lewis uh, much like the Dark Knight scene where like you can be the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain to me that's been Jerry Lewis for the last ten years because <laughs> he's been nothing but a cantankerous old crank who just has just been a jackass to everybody that around him but two years ago he did give all of his movies to the Library of, Cron- of Congress including The Day the Clown Cried now The Day the Clown Cried for those who don't know real quick it's a movie he made in the mid 70's about a um, about a clown who was sent to the concentration camps and was again he was arrested and that's where he was sent so he was uh, asked by the guards like entertain the children and uh, pretty much the way the story goes is that towards the end of the film with his guilt as he was leading the children to the chambers the last time that he couldn't take it he actually stayed in there with them Lewis directed wrote did everything to start in this film when he was done took a step back said good god what have I done and completely uh, snuffed the release of this film now things like the Fantastic Four or Corman movie They've leaked out. Yeah. This has never leaked out. There's only been a few snippets of, of, of video out there. There was uh, someone just drug up um, a special in Denmark that well, they were there while the movie was being filmed, and they did they they found like an old video archive. There was like 15 minutes of footage of this thing. Oh wow! Behind the scenes, it's fascinating to watch. Um, <clears throat> but Lewis said, "Look, I made a deal with Library of Congress. When I die." There's a 10-year gap that they have to wait before they can release it, but after that, then they can release it. So, I looked. Okay. Let the countdown begin. 2027. 2027. Uh, I give it four years before they break that. They're like, screw it, we're going to put that out there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're not going to wait the whole 10 years. So, and yet, those child films are up there with me. I'm just like, I need... They could be the worst things in the world, but, like, I know that they're out there and they exist, and that I can't see them makes me want to see them even more. It's one of those things. I mean, even though there's a lot of bad blood and, you know, high tension associated with the Chayot Tsuburaya nonsense, um, it's still something I would like to see. I mean, I mean the, the very same could be said of, of a lot of the films that I go after. Mm-hmm. These aren't licensed things. They're not. You know, granted, they didn't screw over the original company that owned these. True. But, uh, you know... In some cases, the original company has said, hey, mm-hmm. you can't show that anymore. <coughs> and, uh, yeah. And, uh, but you know, it, it's, I mean, you know, you know, I love stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and I think it just kind of, uh, goes into the psychology of, of, of the taboo. It's like, oh, we're, we're told we can't see it. Guess what? Yeah. Makes me want to see it even more. It's, it's our most, it's the most, primitive childlike portion of our brain yes well into adults when you tell someone they can't do something that just ups the ante of like oh okay it makes it that much sweeter yeah, it does 
Even though it might be the rottenest thing in the world. But, yeah. But it's just like, no, I had to. You, it's it's a, it's an itch you have to scratch at yeah. that point. So, it's, a, it's a psychology behind vices. Mm-hmm. Cigarette smoking is bad for you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <sighs> Three packs a day yeah. now. <laughs> you. You're not telling me what to do. Exactly. <laughs> uh, a few, few other things. Let's run down real quick. Uh, while we were gone, uh, during Anime Expo, uh, it was announced that Studio Trigger has obtained the rights to make a Gridman animated series. For those who don't know what Gridman is, Gridman was the last non-Ultraman-based Sentai show that Superaya produced. And uh, for those who grew up uh, during the Power Ranger phase, like I did, you would know it as Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. So that's how it was released out here. Now, this came about when uh, Hideki Anno created this short animation festival that was released online and Studio Trigger, the people who kind of came out of uh, Gynax, pretty much Gynax kind of separated into like five different smaller groups. Be like, um, like kind of like how you could look at Image. Image is like a bunch of small studios under a banner. It's instead, but they just left Image altogether. They made a show called Kill a Kill, which was a big hit. And the creators behind that were massive Gridman fans growing up. So, their entry into the short animation festival was a Gridman short, which I showed Mark one day, and, I mean, what'd you think? I, I was really impressed with it. it. It looked pretty awesome, didn't yeah. it? It was pretty much a highlight reel, with a little bit of a, um, like, a deep cuts kind of thing in it, because at the end, it you, you pretty much get, like, a recap of the entire show, of how the mechanics of the show work. Just awesome uh, scenes, and then the the character that we're following in the short turns into a different type of Gridman, which was supposed to be the sequel called Gridman Sigma, but the bad guy from the first series becomes the good guy for this one, and it takes place in the real world and not the digital world. And you know, it's funny because things go kind of full circle. A couple of years ago, when Ultraman X came out, mm-hmm. one of his power up forms, he looked very, he reminded me very much of Gridman, mm-hmm. the power up Gridman. Yeah. So it's kind of like, oh, they're kind of going yeah, with back the whole there. armor thing. Yeah, yeah, very much. That's one of the things that that captured my imagination to no end. It was like this Ultraman. If he got like Mega Man X style power ups, like he just got all these old. Like the beauty was, you had two robots that were with him that could turn into old, like super armors. Yeah, and I just, that captured my mind. And if you no look way. at Gridman's face, it's an Ultraman. It is in an a Ultraman helmet. face. Yes. So yeah, I mean. <clears throat> Gridman looks more like an Ultraman than Andromelos did. Yeah. Andromelos were supposed to be <coughs> power-suited Ultraman. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they didn't look too much like Ultraman. No. They, he, he has a very uh, Ultra 7 look to him. Yes. So, we're supposed to get that. So Trigger announced that at Anime Expo that they're going through with that. It's going to be an, an original series. It's not going to be tied story-wise to the, to the original Gridman series anyway. They get to they get it looks like carte blanche as much as Super Rye is allowing them to. So and you know if anything this might get Super Rye to like hey we used to do a lot of other stuff before. Looks like how Toho used to make a bunch of monster movies instead of just one Godzilla movie. Yeah. It's like you know, maybe we can get back up there and, and spread our wings a little bit. You, you know? know you know we're seeing this trend of what has been traditionally live action Tokusatsu heroes mm-hmm. becoming anime. Mm-hmm. Case in point, the new Godzilla. Yes, which we just saw, got a very good look at mm. in, the, in the past two days. Well, while we were gone, we got two trailers. While the while two, we were, yeah, yeah, so we got a teaser trailer, 
which gave us a kind of a look. So it gave us the first look of how this thing's going to look moving. Yeah. Looks a lot better than I thought it would. It's CG, but with cell shaded animation. And uh, it kind of gave you, like, okay, there are more monsters in this. It gave you a look at a new monster that they created for it called, it was Servum? Yeah, that's, that's what they're calling the it. The flying one. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, it's just a basic, like, uh, wyvern looking thing. Mm-hmm. But, about what, three days ago? Four days ago? About two two days ago, the, yeah. the, the big... The full uh, trailer drops. Yeah, and then yeah. and then two days ago, that uh, six-foot statue appeared at the theater in Kawasaki. Yes. So, we got our first full look at the trailer. We, we got our, the trailer that gave us, like, here's what the story's going to be. Yes. So, we got to see humanity bailing on Earth as Godzilla's approaching. Yeah. Uh, we get a quick glimpse of that. We get to see some drama that's going on. So, and now that we know that it's a trilogy, like, I've kind of said, like, my greatest fear is that the first part's going to be a lot of talking and a lot of figuring out, what are we going to do? And then go back in like ten minutes of monster action towards the end. Yeah, yeah, it sets it up. Yeah, they're kind of kind of like the Attack on Titan films. I got a bad feeling that's what's going to happen, but if they're giving us three films, it gives us a lot more to work with, though. Now the big thing was the reveal of what Godzilla's going to look like in the movie, mm-hmm. and that has caused, much like Shin Godzilla, a lot of chit chat amongst the fan base. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, more so because in, in the, even in the trailer you don't see that much of him. No. In fact, until I saw the photos of the, of the six foot statue, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't even know if this Godzilla had eyes. Yeah. <clears throat> well, we've seen him now in his full glory. Yes. Every little bit of him. First tiny, up, tiny blue eyes. Tiny little eyes. Um, he's one single monotone color. Yes. He's I, like a dark grayish green. That's how he's going to look. I thought yeah. that was just, you know, oh, well, that's how he appears in this. No, that's, that's yeah. what he looks like. Yes. And in the other aspect that was kind of touched upon was that he's kind of be a little more plant-based. Yeah. Which, if you look at the if you look at the way this, the statue, because all this, the merchandise stuff is starting to come out. Because yeah. the movie comes out in November, so we're like three months away from that. Um, the statue, which... A lot of people have been taking every minute detail picture of the uh, the look of them is that they're calling him a Groupzilla right now yeah. because yeah he does he has a very tree look to him like the his skin and muscle textures are very uh, fibrous yes they're very tree like and then when you look at the spine the the spines alone are, are like leaves leaves yeah but the thing is that if you look at all the pl- the promo material they've been putting out like all the background like leaves and everything. All look like Godzilla's spines and stuff. Mm-hmm. Even the uh, you look closely at the the, uh, the seventh creature; it has the same kind of texture to it. So there is my theory on it is that the fact is that he's not like a plant. It's not like he's biolanti. He came from a plant thing. Yeah. Is that because it's twenty thousand years into the future? So it's been twenty thousand years of evolution. He's, yeah, evolution. The world has evolved around him now. Yes. And most of the monsters that probably are coming out of it, because if it's called Monster Planet, yeah, if they don't have more than those two monsters, Godzilla and the, that Severn Minute, yes, it, that not since the, the never-ending story has there been more of a false title. So, <laughs> well, they have name dropped a lot. They name dropped a lot. I'm hoping we see that. Yes, because if, if it's just part of the background story, then yeah. why even bother? Exactly, because if you're animating it, you can go completely exactly you can do whatever. You're not building suits like you can do go nuts. Exactly. You can, so you, you, you can have a, a, a new. <laughs> 
a new uh, a Daikon Four film. You yeah, know? <laughs> you can go completely completely uh, not, uh, bonkers on it. Now, the look of it, pretty much, it does. There's a lot of the tr- of the legendary in it, like oh, big, yeah. big, bulky. Yeah. But like different skin textures, like yeah. little beady eyes. Yeah. I, he's got a little bit of the the American the, the the chin the chin of the American Godzilla thing the uh, the shark the, chin. Yeah, the Gino one. Yes. But and if you look at the tail, the tail's got a lot of jagged edges on it too. Actually, and, and the tip of the tail, <clears throat> unlike Shin Godzilla, mm-hmm. which had the, the the teeth and the eyes and the skull. Yeah. This tail reminds me more of a Queen Alien tail, like, oh, like, like a spear. Yeah. And yeah, because. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> The the uh, silhouette of it, the mm-hmm. profile, very legendary Godzilla. But once you see the detail, mm-hmm. that's where the, it ends. Yeah, and it really becomes like its own thing. Yeah, and and especially with, with the story of him, kind of uh, the world evolving around him, and mm-hmm. it, it seems that there's some kind of symbiotic relationship between Godzilla and the planet now. That's what that's that's where I'm guessing where the uh, the tree aspect of it was coming, like the whole plant aspect. So basically. Godzilla is Swamp Thing. Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. There you go. That's probably the best way to describe it. Yeah. And I, you know what? I'm down for that. I'm so down for that. That would be that would be interesting. I mean, look, this whole story in itself of humanity having... Yeah. It's the most out there wacky sci-fi... I mean, the, probably the closest, two closest to this we ever got to were probably the Mechagod- the original Mechagodzilla films. Yeah. In terms of just crazy, like, outer space adventures. And uh, I always think that... Mickey Garris was an anime film that just was put on live action. Yeah, and like you said, especially now with with anime, they can do anything. They're yeah, not, they're not constrained. They have, they have no physical constraints oh, whatsoever. Very, very much. So. I, I've, so, seen, I've seen. So so go mad. Go, yeah. go insane. I've seen people complain. It's like they were expecting, like when they when they hear anime, they're expecting something really out there, like really like if you could design Lord. It's like well, here's the thing. Unlike. Uh, like many like anime studios, I, I guarantee that there's not full carte blanche. Like Toho still has to approve a lot of stuff. Yeah. They're like, you can do this, but I'm, you know, I mean, we've seen many wild, wacky Godzilla product like designs yes. in the past that the were of, said no to. Yeah, yeah. Think of that the, the, the space Godzilla that looks like a crystal, a, a, yeah. a rock. Yeah, you know. But, but when you're doing search, you have to think practicality. But there's yes. also a lot of stuff that Toho vetoed too. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you look at the uh, design works for uh, the Godzilla 2000 design, oh, those yeah. initials, yeah. like, they were way out there. Yeah, with the, the, the really huge uh, spines. Yeah, and, like, real thin, real, but massive spines. Like, that yeah. was probably, at the time, the most anime-looking yeah. one or, you can get. Or some of the original designs for Biolante. Oh, yeah. I, Completely I out there. I don't see how they would have accomplished that no. physically. No, but, again... When you're thinking anime, you have an idea that's going to be this show and jump style, over exaggerated. Yes. Like I think people were thinking like something with spines bigger than his body, yeah. kind of like you know a character that carries a sword that's three times its body weight, something like that. <laughs> yeah, which we're seeing a lot of in anime and yeah. Uh, but we're video not gonna, games. There is there is still something grounded about this movie, you know, even though it is very much the probably the most sci-fi based Godzilla film we've probably seen since the Showa films. Yeah. So and and yeah, I mean, it's a completely, completely separate reality from any of the Godzilla films. Mm-hmm. You know, and given that it, it takes place so far in the future, mm-hmm. you know, it could very easily be considered an alternate reality film. And you know, 
and that we've seen in comic books and science fiction in general. Mm-hmm. When you're talking, it's an Elseworlds story. Yeah, when you're talking Elseworlds, you yeah. can do anything. Yeah, that's the yeah. whole point. And if you don't like it, hey, guess what? Another film will be made a year, uh, yeah, from now, two years from now. Yeah, completely different. And, and you know, I look. I've been the biggest proponent for that. Like, yeah, the world. We're, what other series is this deep in? Yeah, and so for the most varied. part, for the most part, kept. The beats pretty much. Bond is pretty much the only thing that you can really look at that has any comparison. Exactly. To it. Exactly. Because they don't stray too far from the formula. And the, the times they do, those are the films that kind of stick out. People are like, ah, oh. like Moonraker. Moonraker is not as bad of a movie as people make I it. Like, out I like Moonraker. I like Moonraker a lot too. But it's the people fun. are like, oh, it's like it's too far out there. Like you're a hardcore Bond fan. I know a lot of hardcore. They're like, I hate Moonraker. Like why? It's like Bond doesn't go to space. I'm like, he's not fighting aliens or anything like that. Yeah. He's, Stopping like uh, he's stopping global domination from yeah. space. That's all yeah. he's doing. Yeah, fighting a base, essentially a supervillain, yeah. which is what every Bond does. Exactly. No, I mean, frankly, the new Bond films are boring. I'll I'll I'll, I'll defend Skyfall to the day I die, though. I love Skyfall. Yeah, but Spectre I mean, was Spectre was decent, but it, it had too long. Yeah, I mean, you you can make you can you can go too far in and making this too realistic where. It, it takes all the all the all fantastic, the yeah, all the fun and fantastic element out of it. Yeah, and, and uh, to me, that's a little bit kind of um, you where, to, yeah, you have to make this happy medium between the yeah, two. Yeah, that's a little bit where where two thousand went. They went too far deep into the minutia of it, yeah. where it's just like, okay, unless you're a hardcore Godzilla fan, like this movie isn't really going to same like stick out to you at all. Like, you're coming back from a six year hiatus. You're coming off a giant flop. Like, if you really want to get back, this is where you went. Like this is the story you could come up with. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's why, and then again, that's why I'll defend like Final Wars till the day I die because it's like at least like this is the movie that said F it, we're going all out. Like, and this is what we would look like on a budget too. So yeah, I mean, my my main complaint about Final Wars is that I wish the the, the fights had lasted longer. That's what everyone complains yeah. about. Although yeah. I understand. They wanted to convey that Godzilla is so powerful you can kill him with one punch. Exactly. He's one punch man. And so when you get the uh, when you get to the final boss yeah. with the Monster X fight, which I still hold as one of my absolute favorite fights in the entire series. I love I've watched that fight just alone. Like all clipped together. I absolutely love that fight. I love that Godzilla design. I like a sleek Godzilla. I like that they're just like yeah, there's what reality is this giant monster gonna be running around and doing like slides and super punches like Let's, why not? We haven't done it before. Exactly. Let's do it now. Exactly. So, but the problem is, much like Larry Fandom, it's it's how we, it's how Garth said it when uh, when uh, Rob Lowe appears. It's like Garth, I want to talk to you and Wayne about some changes to the show. It's like we fear change, and you just start banging like on the on the uh, on the table as you're trying to like put that robot hand down. Well, well, given that. This is a huge departure from anything we've seen before. Oh, very much so. And you know what? This will be the one that the that the majority of the population will be able to see because it's coming to Netflix in December. Yeah, I mean, so this will everybody will be able to see this. Yeah, we're we're getting the Ultraman treatment here, where mm-hmm. it's being pretty much simulcast in mm-hmm. Japan and America at the same time. Yeah. So, so because uh, because uh, Netflix did put out the like, here's our anime offerings to for the till the end of 2017. Godzilla was there, so. Uh, they haven't announced it yet, but my my speculation, unless Toho vetoes something at the last minute, we'll probably see it right around Christmas time. So if we do it when it does come out, uh, we're going to do like a big live stream episode. There's no way we cannot do one. Yeah. 
Because this will be, like, unlike Shin Godzilla, where it's like, if you didn't live in an area that wasn't showing it, like, you had to wait. Yes. This will be like, everyone's going to watch that first night. The second midnight hits your local time, you're watching. We're all sitting down and watching. As long as you have the internet connection to do it. Yep. So, uh, it's, this is, it'll be a night, it'll be a big, it'll be a big turning point, because this might be the film that turns a, a whole new generation on, because... What kid isn't sitting on Netflix on their tablet while their drive while their parents are driving or something like that? Yeah. So it'll be uh, interesting on the scene. I'm 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 hyped for it. I'm 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 very hyped for it. I just want some more monsters. Yeah. After Shin Godzilla, yes. where you just went another solo Godzilla film, like give me at least for the love of God, give me some monster yeah. fights. And, and just like you said, mm-hmm. you know, they cannot have the nerve to call it Monster Planet. Yeah. And have no monsters. Precisely. Speaking of planets, we got to talk about this real quick. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Kong just came out on DVD not too long ago. Uh, Boom Studios has been producing a Kong comic book oh my God. based more based on actually on the uh, the Marion C. Cooper Kong. Yes. So they've been working on that. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Legendary has been putting out their own Kong comic based on their Kong mythology. So Boom is like, all right, well we got to up the ante somehow. So, two weeks ago, they announced something so big that I completely lost my, my mind. <clears throat> this I, November... I thought it was a joke when I first No, it. It, you would think it would be a joke. But it is not a joke. This is a real thing, and we're getting it... Six, it's a six-part uh, miniseries by Boom Studios. Kong on the Planet of the Apes. Fantastic. Shut up and take all my money! <laughs> now, I love Planet of the Apes. I love the original Planet of the Apes, the, the, especially. Yes. I love the new ape films, too. I don't love the Burton film, but I love the new apes. I love the original apes. In the fact, Burton, I just went the, back the and... The Burton thing had good things about it, but then they, they, they totally dropped the ball on other things. Yeah. The, uh, the original Planet of the Apes, though, is a classic. Yeah. Anybody that says anything else, they're a liar and have no soul and a black heart. I love all the apes films. Even when they get bad, the, the beauty about those things are is that they're telling such a weird timeline of how they like. It's they're they're a paradox upon themselves. Like the fact that they're started by themselves. Like the, literally, the apes going back in time. Yeah. Start the planet. They, like when I when I watched those movies for the first time, I'm like it blew my mind. I'm just like, wait, what? They're doing what? So, <laughs> I yes, I absolutely I love love them all. So, boom is like, yes, and guess what we're doing? We're doing one, we're doing a story where after, right after Taylor takes off to the Forbidden Zone in Planet of the Apes, Dr. Zayas, Zira, and Cornelius kind of go looking for him. They don't, they, this takes place right afterwards, and they come across the corpse of King Kong. They're like, <laughs> what is this? And it's thus, they go to Skull Island. Because it's not too far from where they're at, like in the future, yeah. and thus discover this entire ecosystem that they never expected, and in fact come across more Kongs. So it pretty much because the beauty is, if you watch the, the original Planet of the Apes, is more of like super relevant today is the fact that how you know your the stance on religion and stance on science are kind of blurred right now. Yeah. So you know, especially with uh, with uh, with uh, Doctor Zayas. And finding out that there's a super species of apes running around that are completely, you know, subservient to their evolution, and kind of throw a wrench into their whole like uh, their their sacred scrolls. Yeah, I mean, and, and just think about it. I mean, because Kong is in their image, mm-hmm. so for you know, to them, he's a giant. Yeah. 
So this is like uh, like War of the Colossal Beast. Very much so. Of the Apes films. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only that, but it looks like there's probably still be some dinosaurs, too, that they come across. Yeah. So the only time I ever went like, yes, give me more of this, was when they crossed over with Star Trek. That EW did a crossover with him as well. So I never read that. How was it? It was pretty good. So when EW does a crossover, they, they they do a very good job of kind of concocting a, a story that makes sense they for it. They just don't throw them together for the sake no. of throwing them together. It's not like when Marvel and DC would throw them together. They kind of act like they're in the same world. No, no. They, they, they figure out a way. When Ghostbusters met Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it was a matter of like one crossover to the world or the other. So uh, It comes out in November. It's a five-issue miniseries. It is written, pull up right here, by uh, Ryan uh, Ferrier and art by Carlos Magno. So if you uh, got a pull list, go put that bad boy on there because uh, if it does well, we get more stuff like that. And once again, since we're just a total stream of consciousness show, <laughs> we're segueing from Kong, that's other Kong-related news. Mm-hmm. Uh, just real quick, uh, you and I were talking earlier about how things just sort of pop up on Amazon Prime mm-hmm. without any fanfare. Uh-huh. One thing that I, I watched the other day, and I was interested in seeing it when I saw it online, mm-hmm. heard about it online, but I finally got a chance to see it the other day. If you are a subscriber to Amazon Prime, the documentary Long Live the King is on there. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with All Hail the King. King by... (laughs) By Kyle. Yeah. Uh, No, Long Live the King is uh, about King Kong. Mm -hmm. King Kong, the character. It covers all the Kong films. Including the Toho ones? Including the Toho ones. It's Ah, fantastic, fantastic documentary. So you got to watch it already? I got to watch it, yeah. Oh, man. I I love these kind of things. I love it. Yeah. You told me, I'm like, oh, you know what I'm watching tonight? Yes. Uh, Once I saw it, I, I immediately put it on my... Yeah, that vampire and me. That they're, they're having a really, they're adding a lot of good documentaries. Amazon Prime. That's the one thing they got going for them. They got all these fantastic, like, uh, like, uh, like I would call them fan made docs, if you will, because they're these aren't official. They're not. They're made by fans, pretty much. But yeah. they're they're professionally made. Not not too. They're pretty much akin to what Mark is doing right now. Yeah. So yeah, because I mean, you know, I'm I'm watching them not only. As a fan who's interested in these things, but also you know studying up, yeah, yeah, studying up and taking note. Uh, like for example, I, I mentioned the Vampira in Me mm-hmm. documentary. Uh, that's obviously done by somebody who knows not a you know professional filmmaker. I'm not knocking it in any way. Yeah, but this is somebody. It's who, a passion film. Yeah, though. it's a passion film. You know, he knew Myla Nurmi. Mm-hmm. Uh, he filmed an extensive interview with her mm-hmm. for another project. Of which they only used a small amount, mm-hmm. but he used the, uh, the remainder of that interview, along with uh, you know, archival footage of Vampira, and to tell her story. Mm-hmm. And it, it's fantastic. I mean, if you're a fan of horror, especially you know horror host, mm-hmm. she's the original. She started it, and it, it's fascinating mm-hmm. to see. It's uh, it's up there with the. Uh, I watched the doc about the filmmakers that got kidnapped by uh, Kim Jong uh, Il. Oh, the lovers in the despot. The lovers in the despot. Yeah, that was great. That's uh, the the my only complaint about it was that they never really go into the actual films. Like you see, like a few snippets of Polisari and like all the other stuff, but they're more fo- focused on telling the story. Uh, the the director he died back in two thousand six, but his wife is still alive. So they talked to her 
They talk to the kids. They talk to the um, the the CIA agent that brokered them getting over to like America. Like all that stuff is is in there. Wow, it's a fascinating story. I still and the fact and the fact is they never really got to go back to South Korea because they were looked at as pariahs over there. Like they were, they really thought they defected. They were considered traitors. Yeah, they were considered traitors. So they really couldn't go back. Like they're like they had to pull their kids out, and they're like, so we came to America, and I they started making the, the uh, most. I think the films that he was involved with that made the most money. He went to work for Disney, and he created the Three Ninjas series. Yeah, yeah. So which I was just like, oh yeah, I love those films. Like those are like my jam when I was a kid. So yeah. and he actually did do a remake of Pulgasari, like as a kids film. Yeah, 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 yeah Gungamith. Yeah, so, but if you get a chance, that one's on Netflix now. Fascinating watch. But I, my, that was my only problem. Is like, could have gone into deeper into the actual films too. They yeah. never really go into the film. They just show that. Oh, that's on Netflix. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Okay. It's all. It's on Amazon Prime, but you have to pay for you have it to pay for it, but it's free on Netflix. But it's free on Netflix. Good, yeah. I have both. So yeah, so there's that. The Amazon's got the De Palma doc on there. They have uh, Doomed about the uh, yes, fantastic, fantastic uh, Four. The I love fantastic that. Four. Fantastic. If you if you have any inkling to anything like uh, of like Lost and stuff like that, watch that. It's a fascinating story because it's just a matter of like what happens when it's it's it was just a business deal that went down that nobody was aware of. Yeah. And like a lot of people were like, we kind of put like some time and effort into this thing, and yeah. we no one really ever got to see it. So it wasn't for a bootlegger. It wasn't for one dude who had a master copy yeah. that snuck it out. We never would have seen that thing today. Yeah. So it, 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 you know, and you and I had touched on that when we did that uh, that panel at uh, Kamikaze mm-hmm. almost two years ago, and that's when I told you you weren't aware of it of the original Doctor Strange film. No, it well, wasn't. Well, not not the not the TV movie from the seventies, mm-hmm. but the one that. Uh, uh, it's like 89 or 90, wasn't it, or something like that? Yeah. Uh, was yeah. it Charles Band had it? Yeah, they Charles Band's. Yeah. <clears throat> they had the license to make a Doctor Strange movie, and they started filming it. Mm-hmm. But the rights expired as they were in pre-production. And so they, they said, hey, you know what? Well, we're, we're, no, we have been set to make this movie. You know what? Make it. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll just retitle it and call it something else. But you watch the movie, it's Doctor Strange. Yeah. Did he find like a T Rex statue, uh, skeleton yep. or something? Yep. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. So, Brian, Brian Thompson is the uh, evil wizard, you know. But it, it's called Doctor Mordred. It, mm-hmm. It's available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. It, it was actually released on DVD. Uh, yeah. So, you know, with, well, the re- renewed interest in Doctor Strange in, in the MCU. Mm-hmm. That's uh, something to track down for coming. Excuse me. I thought I love about this podcast. We talk about all these geeky stuff. Yeah, well, that's the beauty about doing a news episode where you can just kind of like go off on yeah. all that stuff. So you know, I've got a lot. Of, I've got a lot of nice people like you know. I never knew about that one thing you guys went on side tangents. Huh? Look into it. You know, I'm not kind of really into it. All right. Uh, one last thing. Kind of ending on a down note, uh, but we have to talk about it. And we're not going to go into super detail about. We're going on later at a time. We lost pretty much the last big connection to the show era of the originals yes. the originals so I mean Akira uh, Ta- uh, Takara. Takara is still with us but with as far as the creative the, team yeah uh, uh, behind the scenes people of, uh, not so. I mean Honda uh, Tanaka uh, Subaraya yeah and uh, um, who, who am I missing Honda uh, Ikafube Ikafube yeah and now 
We lost Nakajima. Uh, Nakajima. Even though Nakajima was on the screen, you didn't see his face as Godzilla. He no. would he would play bit roles in the background, and you know, of course, in Seven Samurai. And, but uh, he was the soul of Godzilla. He, he was. was the body of Godzilla for years, for most of the original Showa films. He was pretty much every other monster that showed up on screen as well. Yeah. He was uh, he was in the Mothra larvae suit. Mm-hmm. He was in Barman. He was in Rodan. He was in he was yeah. in Magora. He was in uh, then when they brought Godzilla back. He was Godzilla again when he fought Kong. He was uh, Gira. He was he does. Gira, he was Kong. It was eventually too. Yeah, in King Kong escapes. In King Kong escapes, and then. Um, Oh, and let's not forget, he also had his hand in the uh, Ultraman series, too. Yes. He was uh, famously, who was he, Mark? Giras. Giras. Um, he was Utah in uh, Ultra 7. Mm-hmm. And uh, Akira. And a lot, a lot of other roles he had. So pretty much anything that was a monster. In the, I, I th- was he Magma in Gorath? I believe so. Alright, so yeah, pretty much anything that was... And required a suit back then. He was he was the Andy Circus of his time. Yes, yeah, very much so. It's like you needed a, a monster actor, you went to him, and uh, pretty much he had the career. And you know, I, I like to I like to think that at least you know in his later years, I hope that he knew how much he was appreciated. Yeah, uh, I mean, especially coming to America as many times as he did. Like the fact that, yeah, I was in a giant you know latex suit, but people at least you know. I got props for my uh, for, for my performances. It wasn't just seen as something. Unlike the the, the sad conversations around today, it's like is motion capture acting really acting? You know, that's you ask anybody that, uh, especially in our circles, like yes, it very much is. Because even though someone else is creating the the outside, it's still the actor that's giving the performance. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, back uh, in '96. Uh, G-Con, when I mm-hmm. when I first met him, you know, he told the assembled audience that, you know, even though he's known for Godzilla, his favorite role is Gyra because he was able to act with mm-hmm. his eyes. You see, his his eyes, Gyra's eyes are his eyes. Yeah, and those are and that amongst his absolute best yeah. performance too. Yeah, it, it's those it's those it, it's it's those kaiju, those monsters, those characters in which you can see. Part of the actor underneath mm-hmm. were they able to emote emotion. Like no. I, I would say, Kong, the, the Kong Godzilla is very much that way. Uh, uh, Daimajin. Yes. Riki Hashimoto. Mm-hmm. You see, those are his eyes. Yeah. The original design uh, that uh, uh, had a full mask, mm-hmm. but in the end, uh, you're able to see the actor's eyes, mm-hmm. which made it so much. Yeah, it gives a night. It gives yeah. a wonderful depth. Like yeah, they have. The uh, the gargantuas look it's out of the the non Godzilla film. That's my absolute favorite yeah. non Godzilla film, and I think that's a lot of people's because it's just it's, there's just a joyous wonder, and it's it's a it's as close to like a Harryhausen film as you'll ever get, where it's just pure yeah. spectacle, but done on such a, 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 a professional level. In fact, uh, Kaneda san the uh, the Bandai rep, mm-hmm. uh, who had the Sandan Gaira figures at G Fest. Uh, he was kind of amazed that the film was so popular in America. Mm-hmm. Well, it got a lot of play. Yeah, yeah, because I, I did explain. AIP pretty much, like, that was their bread and butter. They actually, they helped produce that, didn't they? 
Uh, no, it was Henry G. Silverstein. Yeah. yeah, he had a hand in its uh, uh, actual production, not mm-hmm. just the not just. There was the, there was some of his money that went into it. Yeah, yeah, not just the distribution. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, him and Benedict Films were involved in the production. That's how Russ Hamley got in there, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, and uh, and I told him, I said, yeah, I said, especially when I was growing up, Warlord mm-hmm. Antwas would be shown a lot on local television. This mm-hmm. is back in the days when. You know, when local stations would run movies like that. Mm-hmm. You know, those days are long gone. No. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, when I was a kid, Warrior Gantuals would show up. You know, that'd be like the big uh, movie for a Sunday evening type mm-hmm. of thing. I saw it by happenstance when KCOP did their New, their New Year's Godzilla Marathon yeah. right here. I just saw the commercials like, Godzilla Marathon, I'm six years old. Yeah. No internet. So I don't know. I think I've seen every Godzilla movie at that point. It was like, I think they showed a clip from uh, Godzilla versus yeah, Terra Mecha Godzilla. I hadn't seen yet. So I'm like, wait, what is that? So I'm just like, all right, cool. So I was at my grandmother's house New Year's Day. I parked my butt. It was started at 8 a.m. and went to 6 p.m. And midway through it was War of the Gargantuas. I'm like, what? What? Wait, is Godzilla show? What is this? And I remember I just it was completely captured. But I'm like. They made non-Godzilla movies? Like, I hadn't seen Rodan or anything at this point yet, either. My dad, I was, you know, just breaking into this stuff. So it was, the VHS market was out there, but it was like, you still have to track this stuff down. So, six years old, you're at the whim of whatever your parents bring to you. And I saw where the Great Handsome was just like, how, how, how did they make a, God, a monster movie without Godzilla? Like, because you could tell it was like, yeah. the same people, but it wasn't exactly that. And for what, for... I didn't see it for years after that. They didn't show it. I didn't see it again until I was like, until six, like nine years old, when Godzilla Theater came on with Kevin and Bean. Channel 9. Yeah. Channel 9, and they re-aired it there. And that's where I saw Frankenstein Conquers the World yeah, the first Yeah, because Frankenstein Conquers the World, until it was aired on Godzilla Theater, mm-hmm. it hadn't been aired for about at least 12, 13 years. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it started showing up on TNT's Monster Vision. Yeah. Yeah, because I had my buddy record. I'm like, dude, they're gonna air Frankenstein Conquers the World. Can you record it for me? I'm like, I remember, like, the, sure. I remember those days going to my friend's house so I could record King Kong Escapes on the Family Channel mm-hmm. <laughs> because I hadn't seen it in years at that point. And that's all, that way, that point, that's the only way you got them. The only way you got them. And then eventually, uh, it was um, uh, Paramount put them out. And I remember waking up one morning, uh, Christmas morning, like I was 12. Yeah. Open up that VHS tape. It was. Uh, yeah. Godzilla's Revenge and War of the Gargantuas, yeah. and I watched that movie to my eyes. Crappy painted covers, but oh, very I was happy so. to get the, get it finally. Because mm-hmm. I remember War of the Gargantuas, it, it appeared on Channel Five all the time, part of Monster Rally, and you know, uh, even for Sunday evening. Mm-hmm. But then for a while, for about five years, five six years, it, it, it wasn't aired. And then when I was in high school, I think it was about like '86 or so. Uh, Channel 11, they had like a movies till dawn type of thing as mm-hmm. well. Like Channel 5 did. They were airing War of the Gargantuas in the middle of the night, like 3 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. So I stayed up <laughs> because you know because you you would set your VCR to record. Yeah. But especially the overnight movies, they didn't always start or stop when they were supposed to. Yeah. So I learned the hard way. So guys, you know what? I'm staying up. I'm recording. Make sure I get the whole film. That's how I was with. Um when, when they put Mystery Science Theater into syndication, mm-hmm. they would split it up. So it was one whole episode was split into two. 
and Mike Nelson would be dressed up as Richard Attenborough doing like the opening of it. And I'm just it, it, so the originally it was on Channel Nine, and, but it was at four o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. on Saturday going into Sunday. So we didn't have cable, so my brother and I would wait until four in the morning, like bloodshot eye, like okay, they're showing the giant Gila monster. I would put in the tape because I knew it was like I'm not making it all the way through. I hit record, wait ten minutes in, I was out, and then I would get up the next morning like. All right, cool. It's all here, so that way I could set it for next week. Well, that was back in the, the mid '90s, right? Yep. Yeah, I remember those. And then, uh, the, and then eventually they moved to another channel where it was like at 12:30, and it was like on a Friday night. I'm like, oh, this is so much easier too. Yeah. But yeah, when you when you're when you're desperate for any of that stuff, like you will go to the ends of the earth just to get it. <clears throat> the fact that I had a copy of Gamma Super Monster, I had a lot of tape traders like, well, you got that? I'm like, yeah, it was recorded off TNT. It's like it was on TNT. When? I'm like, I don't know, like five years ago, I asked my neighbor to record it. She did. So, I was like, dude, I need that copy. I remember back in the mid 80s when I, I was trying, you know, because I saw those films as a kid. Mm. But then, okay, VCRs became affordable. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? This sounds very unrealistic, but maybe I'll start recording all the Godzilla films. And uh, on Channel 11, <laughs> on the overnight, and it just so happened it was Halloween, mm-hmm. Halloween night. After the trick or treating, everything, Godzilla King of the Monsters aired on Channel 11 mm-hmm. at about 2 a.m. So I stayed up, I recorded it. What was amazing, and in fact, I, th- I still think I have the VHS tape from that airing. What was amazing about it is that it had only one commercial interruption. Wow. Right in the middle, like, uh, yeah. I think it was. Right after the first attack? Right after the first attack. Yeah. No, when it faced to black? Yeah. So it doesn't cut into it at all. It's no. a, it was perfect. Mm-hmm. And then. A little added bonus during the commercial break. Mm. Yeah, they show okay. Also airing on our overnight series of movies, they showed a clip of a film I had never heard of before. Mm. A movie called Goliathon. Really? And they showed a clip of you know of the Peking Man going through the city, and I was like, Goliathon? What in the <laughs> hell is this? You know, and you know, growing up loving these films that. No, it's always that thrill of discovery. There's something I haven't seen yet. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. When you're a kid, like when there's, yeah, people did sell old it, but the kids these days with the internet, they have no idea the struggle. You damn kids and your YouTube and your yeah. uh, instantaneous gratification. Well, then again, I'm still shocked. It's like when I'm walking out of like a screen, it's like, what's what the hell's Yog? I'm like, you're into this stuff, but and you have Google on your phone, and you can't like you don't know this these things. <laughs> Come on, man. Well, so. yeah, but, you know, the good part about it is that, you know, all these, like, these Japanese shows, which we haven't like, really heard of. Yeah. We can just Those, yeah, that's where the deeper, yeah. the deeper cut stuff comes from. And, you know, and speaking of which, since we can pull up anything on YouTube, mm-hmm. I would really like you to put this in the show notes, uh-huh. since we're talking about Mr. Nakajima here. There's a wonderful clip of the last time he wore the Godzilla suit. Mm-hmm. I believe it was, like, 19... 19- 83. Okay. And he wore, uh, it was a promotional Godzilla suit. Mm-hmm. It looks a lot so like. So it was a street suit then. Yeah. It looks a lot like the one, uh, uh, like like the final suit that you see at the end of Terramath Godzilla when he wades into the waves. Oh, that one with a big puffy fin. Yeah. Thing like that. Yeah. He's yeah. wearing that uh, out in this lot. And he's like, what, what 50 at this point? I get 83. So it was, he was 88. Probably, 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 probably in his mid-50s. Yeah. 
Um, but he wears that suit one last time and acts as Godzilla. It was for a uh, it was for a photo shoot for the Japanese Starwalk. No, no, no. Sorry, for Uchusen Magazine, Uchusen Quarterly, and uh, because he holds up a copy of the magazine while he's in the suit, and it, it basically they basically filmed the photo shoot, mm-hmm. and uh, but it's him wearing a Godzilla suit for the last time, and it's a great. It's a great clip. If you haven't seen it, I really recommend that you click on the link to watch it. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, I'm so glad. I'm glad I met. I got to meet him at Monster Palooza at 2012 or 13. I'm not sure which one. It was 2012. Oh yeah, the first time he appeared appeared there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was when I went. I think that's the picture that after I met you, you're going through was it Shinji Wakaza's Facebook. Mm-hmm. And you found like a picture of me behind him yeah. as I'm actually putting my my my. I think it was I just meant because he was he was on the outside like he, Nakajima was actually on like on the side yeah where he was taking pictures so he was not in the main room so I'm like stuffing my DVD I just got signed by him into my backpack and I just happened to be behind Wakasa uh, and I'm just like night like a whole like happenstance kind of thing yeah because I, I I looked on Wakasa's page and I was like. Yeah, that's Chris right behind him. Yeah, and he's got like you? a nice drink in his hand, and yeah. I'm just like <laughs> looking over, like as I'm trying to shut my DVD. So, yeah, my my two, like it was one of those things where I learned long ago. It's like you don't know if this might be the last time. Like, and that's the sad reality of things when you're trying to meet someone who's a bit older. It's like you don't know when. You don't want the Homer Mr. T moment yeah. where it's like I, I'll go a little later. I'll go later, and then I went and I was gone. Like. Sadly, there were, I went and worked the uh, the Las Vegas, the amazing Las Vegas Comic Con, and Adam West was scheduled to appear, and he died a week and a half before he was supposed to, before that show. Wow! And it was being promoted as his last one too, like he wasn't going to do it anymore. Okay. Oh, so really? there was a lot of people wow. were like, I never got the chance, like this was going to be my chance. So yeah, like there was one guy who was like, I had the chance to meet him like at Comic Con seven years ago. I completely skimmed on it, and now it's like I lost it. So like, if you ever get those chances, like don't. Don't ever, yeah. like, shy away from, like, just yeah. go and do it. Yeah, I mean, even if they're not elderly or, you know, or, you know, Mr. Nakajima was in his 80s. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let's, let's, look, he lived, he was 88, lived a very long, full life. Yeah. So, I mean, it is very sad. Yeah. But, and you get, as my grandfather said, you got to kind of be realistic about these things when you start getting up there. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel, I feel very lucky in that respect. Uh, like, once again, I was at uh, Kamikaze. When I met Herb Trimpey, mm-hmm. I was able to tell him how much his artwork meant to me, you know, mm-hmm. growing up. And I was able to get a commission from him of Godzilla, of his Marvel Godzilla fighting all three Shogun warriors. Mm-hmm. And a couple of months later, he was gone. Gone, yeah. So I mean, like, I, look, I, I, he's, I got Mr. Nagajima to sign a classic media Godzilla that they released with the original. It was the first time that you could get the the Japanese cut. Yeah. And then I I pulled out Rodan and the Gar- War of the Gargantua was two pack. And I just told him it's like right there, my favorite. And he's yeah. like, oh, green. Ah, <laughs> ah, yeah. It's like, he's like, I I like a lot too. I'm like, that. So it was it was a wonderful moment. That's, That's that great. that picture. Like I'm like I'm 29 when that hair 28. And I'm just like. I, I'm, I hate I like at the, I was walking away I'm like you know what it should have taken me that long like I've been in this circle of fandom for this long and like I had a chance back at G-Fest one year and I was just like I didn't do it I'm like you know what I, I you can't 
you can't let those moments pass by. Like you gotta you gotta jump on them while you can. So, um, we're, we'll you know we're gonna we have something lined up. We will find out in a few weeks when we do know about it. I'll we'll let you know on the show. But we're gonna dedicate a whole show eventually down the road to Mr. Nakajima. And it won't be so so much of a bummer. You know, when someone does pass, it's like your initial talking about it kind of is a little downtrodden. So we're going to have something a little more upbeat and we can really kind of reflect back on them. But at the end of this episode, though, I have something that uh, ha- didn't get released that I've been sitting on for a while. I've been looking for the proper moments. Sadly, it had to come to this for me to release it. But uh, it's Jessica interviewing Mr. Nakajima last year at Monster Palooza in 2016. It's a few, only a few minutes, but um, I figured that this would be the best place for it to be released. So, once we're done with this, uh, stay stay around for another minute or so because then you'll hear all of that. So, in fact, speaking of which, on that note, we should start wrapping things up because we've went we very about, long. Did we talk about everything we wanted to? I think we hit on everything we wanted to. Okay. <laughs> I mean, unless you're going to talk about the Oxygen Destroyer and Godzilla 2, which. I don't know. No, it yeah. was a picture, nothing more. Actually, no, no. They confirmed. It's a plot device in the film. Really? Yes. Oh, Ain't it cool that. news? Ain't it cool? Harry from Ain't it cool? I looked it up. They reached out to Michael uh, Dodery, who is the uh, director, and he even asked, he's like, are you just teasing people, or is this part of the film? He's like, yes and yes. Wow. So, he's like, is it just like a thing, or is it going to be in the film as a, as a story thing? He's like, Yes, that's all he could say. Wow. Was, it's in the film. That's For those who were kind of mm, malcontent about the uh, about the first legendary Godzilla, it looks like that they heard your your cries and that they're upping the ante threefold. In this yeah, film. because when I saw that news, uh, uh, and everyone was getting excited. Uh-huh. I was like, I'm screaming like a little girl. And I yeah, said, yeah, yeah. I said before you start screaming like a little girl. I said, remember the last time Legendary pulled this crap two years ago. I posted mm-hmm. a picture of Gareth Edwards with cut with Takarada. Yeah. So we but, never saw this. But let's to be fair, to be yeah. fair to that, Gareth did not have final cut on that film. That's you, why big studios hire yeah. smaller up and coming directors. Yeah, you did you did mention that, but so mm-hmm. re- regardless of you know yeah. it doesn't matter who's to blame, we didn't yeah. see it. We didn't see it. No, no. But it was it was it looked like at one point it was something that was they they were look the yeah. way it was described, it, they were running on they wanted to trim the film down already from the two hours it already yeah. was. So, you know, things, scenes, scenes that were just kind yeah. of like segues that they couldn't get rid of, sadly, that had to go. There's yeah. there's a lot of that stuff out there that's like that. There's oh, yeah, a lot I mean, of, yeah, I mean, and, you know, when you're editing, you do have to sacrifice things that you really don't want to take out, but it's like, you know what, we, you know, it has to flow better, mm-hmm. or we have to, you know, meet, like, a certain running time. Hell, famously, Coolio was a major character in the original Daredevil movie. Oh yeah, and then the, the, the director. Yeah, and the director's cut came back out and rectified a lot of stuff that showed you like sometimes the studio doesn't know what they're doing, yeah. and because that original like I, I love I love the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. Uh-huh. That movie gets post harmlessly shit on now because everyone's just like, yeah, screw Ben Affleck. It's like when this movie came out, you were all praising him in this movie yeah. for, for the. For like this was the best superhero movie at the time. Now I, I think I think he did a good job. He did a great job, but that director's cut—it's a far better Daredevil. Yeah. Movie. Oh yeah. 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 But, you know, hands down, like they get rid of the the corny uh, like fight sequence and stuff. A lot of that stuff's trimmed up, and you know, a lot of the studio notes were taken out of that film. Yeah. So, 
uh, it does show you that every once in a while it's like, yeah, things don't go exactly as you plan. But but you know what? It, it, all of that led up to the MCU. Yes. They saw, okay, what mistakes were made before? Mm-hmm. We're not going to make those things. If, if, if they didn't make that Daredevil movie, John Favreau would never would have done Iron Man. Because That's Kevin good. Feige was a producer on that film, mm-hmm. and when he was put Fuck. one of the main studio heads, it's like, let's get Fabs. He'd be the guy to do this. And it wasn't for Favreau. And uh, it, Favreau pretty much, much more than Robert Downey Jr., Favreau was the the key to getting that universe up and going. So. Yeah, because I remember hearing I remember hearing about the Iron Man project mm-hmm. back when Tom Cruise was still. Yeah, when New Line was going to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, I've never been a fan of Cruise, really, and I thought, why is he in there? Because yeah. whether you like him or dislike him, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I see it this way, when Tom Cruise is in a movie... It's hard to concentrate on the movie. Mm-hmm. It's a Tom Cruise movie. Did you watch Edge of Tomorrow? No. You should really watch Edge of Tomorrow. Okay. That's that's a movie where, as much as he's Tom Cruise in it, like he turns the cruisiness down enough where you're like, holy crap, this is an awesome. Where movie. he's able to become part of the movie. Yes, very much. Rather so. than the movie revolving around him. Exactly. Okay. Like it, it is a very character-based film, but. Because it's only one guy who's reliving the same yeah. day over and over again. Yeah. But it's the science fiction ground. Like he there. turns on the eighties cruise charm yeah. and the 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 action shots are like, oh wow! It's like you don't have to be a complete yeah. nut. Not, and like, yeah. and I love Tom Cruise. Like yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm a cruise apologist. Yeah. But like this movie, like and I was going to that movie like, I read the book and I fell in love with the book. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, they're gonna completely screw this up. Like the mech suits aren't there. All the and I walked out, I was with my buddy, and I just turned him like, I was completely wrong about my vitriol going into this film. Like, this is an amazing movie. Yeah, so, sometimes you, you have uh, movies where where an actor who, who normally dominates mm-hmm. a film is, is able to be absorbed into the story. Like, sometimes for example... a good director that yeah, does it, too. I felt that way about uh, The Fifth Element. Mm-hmm. Like, Bruce Willis. <laughs> I thought you can fucking choose up the scenery. Yeah. But, no, it worked. No. Yeah. No, and after that, he was able to really turn it down and become part of the movie. It was like in Unbreakable mm-hmm. and, and Sixth Sense. He was able to do it. You can all rein that. it in a bit. You can rein it in a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, no, he gave me new respect. Yeah. So. Um, anyway, we yeah, digress. We digress. <laughs> all right, well, let's wrap this up. Sir, by the time this comes out, you will be at. Oh, Japan yeah. World Heroes, uh, right? Japan World Heroes. Mm-hmm. In Pasadena, uh, California. <coughs> Pasadena Convention Center. What is it, the 26th? This coming weekend. Yeah. Uh, let me, I'll tell you right now. Cast my calculator. Yeah, put on by Scott Zillner, the same it's guy who's 25th, 26th, and 27th. Yeah. And the 25th is like a preview day for like the full pass holders. Yeah. So from the people who brought you Power Morphicon and the Robo Toy Fest, if you live in the LA area, uh, this is uh, the inaugural Japan World Heroes, devoted to Tokusatsu, Kaiju films and and the ilk, yeah. And uh, basically, uh, trying to kickstart something like a G Fest West. Yeah, and that's the first year. So, much like the first year, uh, Power Morphicon. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh, this is cool, but it looks like it might have potential. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a there's a slew of people coming in. Oh yeah. Uh, Matt Frank's coming out for it. Jeff Zorno as well. Jeff Zorno, who never comes to the West Coast. Yes. And I'm angry because I will be in Hawaii. I'll be as west as it gets while Jeff Zorno's in town. And that's and the guy I've been the one to get onto the show. For in in fact, time. I talked to Jeff last night because he's sending his posters here to my house. I can nice. take them. 
Yeah, that guy then like was like, oh, awesome. And then my buddy's like, we got to go to Hawaii that weekend. I'm like, damn it. So I know people are like, oh, you get to go. I'm like, I'm not there to go lounge in the sun. I'm there to yeah. go work. Ironically, work at comic book convention, too. So yeah, but um, there's, there's a manga artist. We have manga artist. Bin Furuya. Who was Ultraman? Ultraman of Sudaktor. And also, <laughs> and then uh, people from various Sentai shows. And the Sudaktor from Gamma 3 is going to be there, right? Oh, that's right, yeah. Yes. i got to give you my DVD, so you might have to do some proxy signing for me. So. No problem. But yeah, uh, check out Japan World Heroes. Mark will be there. Yes. Selling. At the Adrian Zodic table. So if you couldn't make it to G-Fest and you're out on the West Coast, come check it out. Yeah. Well, you also have some other goodies as well, right? Yeah, in addition to the Adrian's Addicts uh, uh, catalog, uh, I'll be selling off uh, remnants of what remains of my collection. <laughs> and uh, I gave Mark some of our prints from Comic-Con. So if you go there, make a, make a nice purchase, grab one of those bad boys. Yes, uh, they will be available. Yeah, but uh, well, I only gave I only have 50 to give out, so... First give, come, first serve. First come, first serve, so... And, you know... See, it's an old five dollar purchase too. You know, like something nice. It's a uh, it's bad March uh, pocketbook, just a little bit. Okay. Uh, on that note, uh, that will do it for this edition, this extra long edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. We didn't do one last month because Comic Con and all that good stuff. So catch up. Hopefully, we'll be back on the normal schedule starting in September. So, uh, so for myself and Mark, thanks for listening, guys. Stay tuned for uh, for Jessica. We'll see you next time. で、あの、2020年のハリウッド版のゴジラをまあご覧になる予定だということで来たんですけど、それをじゃあ見た後にまた感想を聞いてくださいということになったので、じゃあその感想をちょっと教えていただけたらと思います。感想はね、なんと言
あのもしあこの人はいいかも尊敬できるかもとかもし、まあ、今まででもいた場合どなたかあ60年前に撮った写真がねみんな生きてるんだよね現在まで生きてるの現在でもまだお客さんが気持ちの中に入ってるわけあの僕がやってることはね 60, 60年前6年前嬉しいよだからいろんな面,面でね、はい、あのこういう延長してくるってことはねゴジラっていうのは偉大なもんだよね偉大な怪獣だよね<笑> so basically he's like, you know, so admired that Godzilla created all this you know、um, all the atmosphere I mean the you know あの。キングコング対ゴあの怪獣、キングコングの逆襲ですか、一緒に出た、リンダさん、これ今一緒に来てるみたい、影響するわけ、何年経っても影響する。So basically, the, when, you know, when he made the Godzilla movies, all the things became like a kind of legend, so that's why you know, we, we are here and like Basically, we meet again, and pretty much that the legend you know, goes on. So it's a little、um, off the question. So it's perfectly fine. We'd love to hear what he has to say. Okay. So、um, if we could have one quick last question,、yeah. ask him what is it like knowing that he's like a living legend? まあ、ゴジラの,そのずっとやってきた生き,生きる伝説といったらですけど、こうやってあのずっとやられてることに関しての気持ちというか、だから何十年経ってもね、生きてるということはね、僕は死ぬまで生きてる、だから僕の怪獣は生きてる。モンスターがいるのは、本当に。After you know, even he passed away, so the Godzilla is gonna live on pretty much. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, and thank you for Tokusatsu Network for helping the Kaiju Kingdom podcast.